Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about how the share market looks like it's switching from value to growth and that it could create some significant opportunities for investors over the next five to 10 years, perhaps. So growth investors have been very well rewarded. So if we look at, for example, the S&P 500 in the US, it's delivered an average return over the past 10 years of 14.5%, solely off the back, or at least mostly off the back, of growth stocks. And they're mainly centered in technology. And we'll talk about how much they've impacted the overall return uh, a little bit later in the, the podcast. Uh, however, this year to date, so 2021, of course, uh, value has significantly outperformed growth. And if it continues, as I said, it could create a great opportunity for investors. So let's first talk about what is value and what is growth. So a value approach uh, involves uh, investing in companies that appear to be undervalued by the market. Uh, and investors can use a number of uh, ratios or measures or factors uh, to, to determine whether, in fact, a company is undervalued or fairly valued, including PE ratios, price earning ratios, uh, book to market, uh, sales to market, and so on. There's a, a few different, and, and they might use a combination, in fact, of measures to determine that. Uh, the investment thesis behind the strategy is that there's a large body of evidence that demonstrates your starting valuation is a good indicator of future returns. So that is, if you invest when valuations are low, uh, your subsequent returns are high. And it makes sense, right? If you overpay for an investment, uh, then your future return, uh, you've already kind of prepaid up front in overpaying for that stock. Uh, so your future return is going to be very little. Whereas if you buy a great company for a fantastic price, um, then there's a likelihood that your returns are going to be better. And that's not just uh, me pontificating about that. Of course, that's uh, rooted in obviously sound logic, um, but there's overwhelming body of evidence that supports that. Uh, notwithstanding that, a value approach means that though you tend to invest in companies that have strong fundamentals, so strong cash flow, profitability, stable dividends, uh, strong balance sheet, low debt, those sorts of things. So that's a value approach. Growth, a growth methodology is less concerned about whether a company is fairly valued. It's really all about the potential for future growth and mostly about the growth in the share price or company value rather than necessarily growth in fundamental factors like cash flow and profitability. So growth investors are encouraged to mainly focus on top line indicators such as uh, customer numbers, user numbers, revenue growth, um, uh, potential for growth in the future. You know, the market could be this big one day and if we uh, own 10% of the market, then the company's worth a trillion dollars, you know, that sort of story, if you like. And it seems like for growth investors lately, the profit is actually um, not a very attractive uh, attribute for a company to have. You know, profit's not necessarily uh, that important. It's really just all about revenue and top-line growth. And I'm not saying I agree with that, of course. I'm being a little facetious, but that's really the growth methodology. Now, if we look at um, what has contributed to growth returns over the last three years, but also in the last 10 years, 
Um, technology has been a major contributor, particularly the big tech companies uh, in the US, which is the FANG stocks, uh, which are, includes Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, and Google. Um, and even just those five stocks have contributed about half of the S&P 500's overall returns. So five stocks driven half of the market's returns. And therein lies the risk, right? So we look at the US valuations and uh, the US market and the appreciation of 14.5% over the last 10 years. It all looks risky. But really, when we boil it down, we can see really where the risk is. And it's centered in only a few sectors and a few companies, if you like. And if we look at the FANG stocks, uh, you know, most of them are trading at PE multiples of around mid-30s, mid to low 30s, uh, except for Amazon that's trading at a PE, price earnings, earnings multiple of 81 times at the moment. It used to be close to 100, um, but its share price has come off a little bit. So to put that in context, the, the long-term, very long-term average PE ratio uh, for the S&P 500 is between 14, 18 times. Now, you can argue um, PEs for tech stocks should be higher, you know, because they've got more scalability. Uh, and so the more that they scale, the more profitable they are. Uh, and that would be true to, uh, to, a, to a great extent. Um, but of course, other industries uh, can scale too and uh, can achieve that scalability. We just look at the businesses that Berkshire Hathaway, um, Warren Buffett's company, invests in. Um, if you look at revenue per, per employee, for example, as a measure, um, has a, a revenue per employee of over half a million dollars, and that's that's significant scale. So you don't have to just be in technology to scale. Um, but look, let, let's um, let's say that PE ratios for tech companies, it's okay for them to be higher. Uh, maybe that means low twenties, but certainly doesn't mean mid thirties. Uh, so we can see really where you know valuations are extended. We can really see um, uh, the impact of that. And as I said, over the last. Um, year, technology has contributed uh, nearly 60% to the uh, index's returns. And over the last three to five years, it's around 41%. Um, so really, uh, again, uh, five companies driving 41% of the, the results is not really where we want to be and, and certainly exhibits some risk. Uh, now, we'll look, have a look at um, some data produced or, or put together by uh, fund, man fund Manager Dimensional, uh, which is a US fund manager that uses a, a low-cost rules-based um, sort of value overlay indexing kind of methodology. That's a lot of words put together, but um, I like them very much. I, I, um, I, I appreciate their uh, methodology, which is very in line with, uh, with, with my philosophy. Uh, in any case, um, they've looked at returns of value versus growth um, from 1926. So the, we've got 95 years of data. I would say that's a pretty significant data set. Uh, and for the first 84 years, which is really 1926 to 2010, uh, the, the value has been a clear winner uh, by about 3.8% per annum excessive return. So these value investors earn 3.8% per annum. On average, over the long run, that's a pretty considerable uh, outperformance. However, 
In the last uh, 10 years, however, uh, growth has beaten value. And in the last three years, in uh, just marginally, and the last three years, uh, growth has beaten value significantly. Uh, so uh, value's uh, given us a negative return of 3.3%, whereas growth has produced a positive return of 17.9%. So there's over 20% there in outperformance of value versus growth, um, which is considerable. But then if we look at... Um, you know, what's driven that, uh, we can uh, get a good sense of, you know, where that risk is. But most notable is the change this year and the reason for this uh, podcast slash blog. Uh, and in fact, if we look at data, value um, has started to outperform significantly. So if we look at the first quarter of 2021 in the US, uh, pure value has produced a return of 21%, uh, whereas pure growth 0.8 of 1%. Uh, so uh, nearly a 20, uh, uh, sorry, 20%, uh, more than 20% outperformance there, um, which is pretty uh, significant. In Australia, the, the, um, the values are different, but the performance is just as stark. Uh, so in Australia, um, value uh, returned 8.5% uh, for the three months ending March 2021, uh, whereas growth lost uh, 0.09 of a percent. So we can just call that a flat return. Uh, so an outperformance of 8.5%. Obviously, our market uh, hasn't done as well as the US market. Uh, the US market is certainly more exuberant than the Australian. Uh, so what has changed uh, this year? Why has uh, value outperformed growth? Um, and will it continue? And that's, a, I think, a very rational and reasonable question to ask ourselves. Well, if we have a look at the sector performance, um, it sort of highlights what's been going on. So in the first quarter of this year, uh, the best performing sectors were energy, financials, uh, materials and real estate. Uh, and the worst performing uh, sectors were consumer staples, uh, technology, utilities and healthcare. So it's really kind of the reverse trend to what we saw last year through COVID. You know, the popular sectors during COVID were healthcare and technology, of course, and consumer staples and discretionary. Uh, and it's kind of switched around. Uh, and if we have a look at the value index, it's underweight technology and it's overweight financials. And that's where we see, that's why we've seen such stark outperformance is that the um, companies that weren't so popular during COVID um, have become more popular and the ones that were perhaps overpopular um, or too popular are far less popular. Uh, and probably the things that, that that has precipitated this change is the aggressive rollout of the COVID vaccine uh, in the US and, and UK and to a much lesser extent uh, Europe, obviously not Australia um, or New Zealand for that matter. Um, but that's okay. We don't really need the, the vaccine at this point anyway. Um, and so I think the market's now started to get a more reliable indication of how far the global economy is away from returning to sort of pre-COVID levels. Uh, not only that is uh, domestically in terms of domestic trade and consumption, um, but also the, you know, the resumption of international trade, international travel, tourism, uh, and those sorts of things. Uh, plus, we um, get a sense, particularly for financials, about what the um, impact at an individual level might be as a result of covid so looking at returns, that's great, but um, we also need to be considerate of risk. And I would say that a growth portfolio at the moment exhibits substantially more risk than a value portfolio. And if we look at the US CAPE ratio, which is an acronym that's uh, C-A-P-E, 
PE, which stands for Cyclically Adjusted PE Ratio. Essentially what it does is smooth out 10 years worth of earnings and then look at the price earning ratio uh, based on that. Uh, and what it's trying to do, attempting to do, is isolate the multiple uh, change in multiple impact in valuation rather than the change from income. Uh, and so, you know, a, a, a company value can rise for many reasons, but mostly uh, because it generates more income or, or because its multiple has increased PE ratio, and that's what we're trying to uh, ascertain. So the CAPE ratio is around about 37 at the moment. Um, it's only been higher than this once, and that was uh, around the dot-com uh, bubble uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, and the 30s, Black Tuesday, um, 1930s that is, uh, on Black Tuesday it got to 30 and we're at 37 now. Um, uh, Black Monday, which is uh, 1987, or uh, in, in Australia we call it Black Tuesday, <laughs> Um, it was uh, the CAPE ratio was uh, under 20. Again, we're at 37 here. Um, the long term uh, mean is 16, nearly 17 times. Uh, so, you know, when you look at the CAPE ratio, and I've got the links in the in the show notes, uh, obviously as usual. Um, when you look at the CAPE ratio, you go, well, the market is ridiculously overvalued. If I have a growth portfolio, it it's um it probably means that I'm uh, invested in uh, growth stocks that that are that probably are the most heavily overvalued, and most importantly, the CAPE ratio has uh, is a pretty reliable indicator of uh, future long term returns. So, ten year returns uh, has a has a pretty strong correlation, about eighty uh, percent. So, we know when the CAPE ratio is high, uh, subsequent ten year returns are low. Um, and uh, that that certainly uh, makes a lot of sense because if you're overpaying for a company, as I said previously, uh, your future um, uh, your fu- your future returns are low, uh, and that makes sense because if you've overpaid, um, you know the likelihood of the price continuing to rise uh, above this overvaluation is is probably low. Uh, the chance of it correcting is probably high, and therefore your uh, earnings aren't so great. When you have a look at the PE ratios by sector, though, you can see that a lot of this overvalued overvaluation at market level is really centred in just a couple of sectors. The first one in the US is to consumer discretionary, and that's mainly just thanks to Amazon. It's such a big company on such a high PE. Uh, then there's technology. Um, that certainly looks overvalued, uh, whereas financials uh, historically look relatively cheap. So by adopting a value approach, you what, what it means is you skew away from those risky companies and sectors uh, and you skew towards uh, sectors that exhibit um, the fundamentals or, or the historic results that um, suggest that they're going to achieve better future returns. So the million dollar question really is, will um, value continue to outperform? So will the first quarter of this year's results continue to persist? Uh, And the short answer is no one really knows. The the longer answer is that if we look at um, more recent data, growth has outperformed value by 2.3% over the last 10 years and by more than 21% over the past three years. Uh, so over the past two to three years, um, I've been tilting my client portfolios towards value, mainly to reduce risk, but also uh, to generate higher returns. And I've done so because the historic evidence demonstrates that growth will not outperform forever. And with each subsequent year of strong outperformance, we get closer to the market turning. 
at some point the market will realize that it doesn't make a lot of sense um, or, or will you earn any returns if you pay a thousand times annual earnings for a company, which is an example for Tesla. Uh, and I don't really know when the market will turn, but 95 years of data demonstrates that tilting towards value will likely achieve better returns over the next five to 10 years. So we're never gonna get the timing right. Um, it seems like the market has switched now, but certainly I don't know when it's going to switch from growth to value. Uh, but I do know that there's uh, overwhelming evidence that demonstrates or suggests that value over the next five to 10 years will probably outperform growth um, and you have a higher probability. Notwithstanding that, uh, we're, we're um, reducing the risk in our portfolios by avoiding those sectors that are clearly ridiculously overvalued. Um, so how do you adopt a value approach? Well, unfortunately, there's not a lot of tools available uh, or options available to retail investors. There's a, a couple of ETFs um, that, that give you global exposure. And when I say a couple, there's two. Um, um, Eck and um, Vanguard have uh, ETFs. I've got the um, links and the ticker codes in the, um, in the show notes and on the blog on the website. And then there's one ETF that gives you um, Australian exposure um, by beta shares, which use fundamental indexing. I'm not recommending uh, any or all of these three investments. In fact, I only use one of them, um, uh, but I'm just highlighting they exist. Um, but probably the most important fact is that there are many low-cost rules-based um, sort of proven value methodologies that will probably never be available in ETF format. Uh, they're in managed fund and sometimes wholesale managed fund format, which uh, demonstrates how incredibly important it is to get a financial advisor to construct a portfolio for you so that you are considering the full universe of investments uh, rather than just what you know or what you can find uh, online. Um, and uh, really, there's only two things that you can control as an investor. You can control how you invest, which means methodology and asset allocation, and secondly, the fees that you pay. So focus on controlling those two things, that what you can't control is how markets will behave. But uh, if value does outperform growth, then the decision to take a tilt towards value today could demonstrate or, or provide or generate uh, much better returns in the long run. That's the a decision you can control. Um, what you can't control, as I said, is markets. Uh, so I hope that's been useful. As always, there's more information in the show notes and the blog on the website. Uh, and until next week, bye for now.